Hello, I'm Larry Stevenson. Welcome to Let Your Dreams Work, the weekly call where we share how individuals and organizations can harness their dreams to do more, see more, be more, have more, and give more. Dreams are all about your vision. So we've chosen this audio format so you can see your dreams taking shape in your own mind as we talk instead of imposing our vision of how your dream should look. Tune in, listen with intent, and see yourself living your dreams. Oh, and relax into a state where your mind can freely create. Today we're going to focus on labeling limitations to your dreams. As you listen today, please jot down any questions you have so you don't forget them. Then press pound six on your phone to be put into the queue. We'll answer questions at the end if you're listening to this recording after the fact as a podcast episode. Please feel free to join us live in the future so you can have our quest- your questions answered or send questions to us using the contact form on our website. Call in and URL information can be found in the show's index. So let's talk about labeling limitations. You know, anytime we try and achieve something, anytime we try and change something, we're going to run into limitations. Limitations can be called challenges, problems, barriers, obstacles. I like calling them limitations because they're not as not as uh, irrational, not as big as a problem, not as big as a barrier. They're easier. They're a limitation. And uh, these limitations will generally come in three different types. The first one are what we call desired limitations. These are limitations you want to put upon your dreams. Um, It's called also scope. Scope limits your dream in a desirable way to help you achieve it. If not, the dream can run all over. It can just get out of control. So typical things with scope are money. Uh, Typical things can be a date. The most common one is a date, a deadline. Um, I want to do something by this date. That's a desired limitation. Or I'd want to do it every month. That's a limitation. Um, A desired scope can also be how much um, space you're willing to use. It can be how many resources you're willing to use. Uh, It can be, excuse me, a location. I want to climb, for example, I had one friend who said that he wanted to climb the highest point of every one of the 50 United States. And so he limited it to just the United States. That was the desired limitation. He also limited it to one place in each of the United States. And he set himself a deadline of two years to do it. So those were limitations he wanted to put on his dream. Uh, Another limitation you'll want to put frequently is money. You don't want to put and just go out of control on spending. You want to put, okay, I'm only going to spend this much money. I'm only going to spend this much time. So the desired limitations we call scope. 
I'm going to pause for a minute and let you pick one of your dreams that you're working on, that you've done some research on, you've begun the, the process of out, uh, optimizing connections, and then put the limitations you desire on it, or look to see if you've already done that. Okay, now... The next thing is there are undesired limitations. These are things we don't want, but they crop up. They appear. They are things that will impact our ability to let our dreams work. In this case, they fall into two categories. One are what I call real limitations. The other are false limitations that appear real, and I call those windmills. They're based on Don Quixote uh, seeing giants, and Sancho Panza saw windmills. Uh, to Sancho Panza, he saw the reality of the windmill. To Don Quixote, it was a false giant but appeared very real to him. And all of us run into these undesired real limitations and undesired windmills. Let me deal first with the undesired real limitations. A real limitation is something that really is limiting your ability to let your dream work, but it's something that you can plan around. You can create a plan that will resolve that limitation and overcome it. For example, frequently limitations are time. They're limitations of money. They're limitations of expertise or skills. There are limitations such as that. And these you can resolve with a plan. You can say, okay, um, money. Money is a limitation. We're saying that the desired limitation is we only want to spend this much, but the real limitation is it appears to be so much more. Um, one of the big things, people who like to travel, money can be a real limitation. But you can create plans to get around the money problem. So, for example, I, I have some friends who found that they wanted to go to Ireland. That was one of their dreams. And money, the cost of going, was prohibitive. But what they did is they joined some of these programs. They started listening to podcasts and reading things that allowed them to find an airfare from the Western United States to Ireland round trip for $250. Now that was a savings of about $450 for each of them or a total of $900 savings on the entire trip. Another problem they had with money is once they got there, it was going to cost too much. But what they did is they found some cousins who were willing to travel with them so that the housing costs were reduced because they were shared by four people. So suddenly they got the airfare for a fraction, about 30% of the norm. They got the housing 25% for each of them because they spread it between four people. And the, and the same with the car. And so suddenly, they were able to create a plan to deal with the money problem. Uh, another real limitation can be skill. 
And with skill, you can develop a plan through your connections. This is part of optimizing connections, where you can either hire someone who has that skill or you can learn the skill yourself, depending on how frequently you want to use it, how much money you have, etc. So uh, a real limitation is I don't have the skill to rebuild a car but I'd really love to have a 1957 Chevy restored. So I have two options. One is I can make a plan to hire someone who is willing to do that. Or I can start going to YouTube and talking to people and learning how to do it myself. I determine, but I can overcome the limitation of expertise in one of those two ways or even other ways. Uh, you could do a trade with someone and let them, so, so if money is the problem and you want them to help uh, rebuild the car, then you do a trade where your skill you use for them. I have friends who trade uh, legal services to get cars built. They love cars, but they're also legal, so they find mechanics who are willing to do the restorations and they give legal services. So the plan will help solve it. We're going to go into some of these real limitations in more depth later, but right now, in later podcasts, but right now, I just wanted to help you understand this concept that a real limitation can be resolved with a plan, and that's how you can tell it's a real limitation as opposed to a windmill. Now, the other thing about a real limitation is you may get to the point where you say, you know, the cost of doing this dream is more than I am willing to pay. That's the scope. You put a limitation on how much you're willing to pay. Or you say, like I did when I discovered, oh, three-masted schooner sailing the South Pacific. Yeah, I can do that. But I don't even know anything about where I'd want to sail. So you say, Rather than do that now, I will put that on for later to give me time to implement my plan to overcome the scope, so to overcome the real limitation. And so realize that, that this is a definite choice that you're making, that this dream is just more than I want to pay for, whether it's cost of time, cost of money, cost of emotional involvement, it's okay to say when I look at the real limitations, when I look at what it will take, when I look at the scope, I'm going to put this on the back burner. Now, let's get to the third, the windmills. Windmills are false limitations appearing real. And they're illogical, they're irrational, Many times those limitations were ingrained in us as our chil- as children. Uh, I dealt with one woman who wanted to write. And every time she told her family, who were fairly non-creative, her father was a blue-collar worker, her mother stayed home and, and had, had evidently either stopped dreaming or had never dreamt that her dream was to be a mother. And when this girl would say, I want to write, the answer was, oh, that's silly. You can't do that. And she grew up, and interestingly enough, she went to work for an advertising firm. 
but not as a screenwriter, not as a copywriter. She went to work as a production assistant. But she still wanted to, to do the writing. And she came to me and she was unhappy with her job and I was working with her to get a, to get a new job and, but it kept coming back to, but what I really want to do is write, but I can't do that. I would say, well, why can't you? And she'd come up with reasons, but no matter what we came up with, her mind and heart wouldn't let her do it. It kept telling her, I can't do that, even though she made plans. And then one day she called me and she said, I quit my job and I'm going to implement the plan. I said, okay, tell me what the plan is. She says, our family has a cabin. I'm going to go live in the cabin for a while. I'm going to um, write. And I said, what are you going to do to support yourself to come up with money? She says, I'm going to be a production assistant on commercials. I've been doing it as part of this ad agency. I know how to do it. I'm going to do it freelance. And I think that by doing it freelance, I'm going to reduce my costs. I'm not going to have rent. I'm not going to have a mortgage. I'm going to, I think I can do this. I said, oh, good luck on it. And a month later, she called me. And she said, I can't do this. Are, are you hearing her windmill? Her windmill was, I can't do this. I said, okay, tell me, have you written anything? She says, yes, I, I've written 10 short stories and I've started a book. And I said, okay, good. So you are writing? She said, yes, but I can't do this. And I said, okay, how are you doing on money? Did you get the freelance gigs you wanted? She said, yes, I, I, I worked seven days this month and it paid me actually more money than I was making before. I said, so, so you're writing? and you're having the money come in. She says, yeah, I know, but I can't do this. I said, okay, come on in, we'll talk, and we'll figure out what to do. She never came in. A month later, she called me. I can't do this. And I went through the same conversation, and she had written even more, and she had continued to make money working just seven days out of the month. This went on for two and a half years. We got to the point where she wasn't calling me every month, but every three months for two and a half years, she would call me and say, I can't do this. That was her windmill. Now, it was totally irrational because she was writing and she was earning the money. But she kept running into it and her irrational reproach, and this is key, when you have a windmill, since they are irrational and illogical, the answers need to be irrational and illogical. And in her case, the way she dealt with this windmill is every three months, whenever she came up against it and told herself, I can't do this, she would call me. And I would ask her those same three questions. And that got her around it till the next time it came up. We never really resolved it. But at the end of two and a half years, she called me back and she says, I'm done. I said, okay, what did you write? She said, I wrote about 250 short stories. I said, congratulations. She said, I wrote five books. I said, wow, you really have been busy. How many of them are you going to publish? And she says, oh, uh, my dream wasn't to publish them. I just wanted to write. 
I said, oh, so what are you going to do? She says, well, I'm moving back here, and I called the ad agency, and I've gone to work for the ad agency. I said, you're going to work in production assisting again? She says, no, I got a job in the copywriting department this time, so I can write because I know I can write now. You see, the windmill, I can't do this. She never really got over it, but she came back and she addressed it in an illogical way. Another one that we run into is too many ladders. People look at all the things. When you really begin to understand that you can do all of this, that really you can do anything if you're willing to pay the price, suddenly you see opportunities everywhere. And the number of opportunities, and I, I compare them to ladders, there are so many ladders leaning against the wall that an irrational Worry sets in, what if I choose the wrong ladder? It's irrational. But they feel it. And so um, one approach is if if it's a real challenge, you can make a plan to work around it. For example, I, I know one woman who wanted to be both an attorney and she wanted to be a, an accountant and she wanted to be a mother. And she just, there were too many ladders. But she worked out a plan. She was an accountant for five years. She got her law degree. She was an attorney. And she wound up having children, but still not working as attorney, but being affiliated with attorneys. And so that was a real limitation in her case. With other people, it's illogical. If, if I climb this ladder, what about that ladder? I'll miss that ladder. And so one of the irrational ways to work around it is to say, okay, um, what if you climb that ladder just a little bit and then you can switch to this ladder? Oh, okay. So, so I can come back down and go back up the other one? Yes. Illogical. They don't have to do that. But it gets them over that hurdle. And as they start climbing the one ladder, they find the joy in it. And then they begin to realize, well, just because I accomplished this dream, now I can work on this dream and this dream and this dream. And suddenly this too many ladders becomes, I can do all of this. Uh, another classic that we run into is um, it's silly or you can't do that because we're this. Had, had a gentleman I worked with who um, he, he had been a, a chief financial officer for a major corporation. He had recently negotiated that organization purchasing and merging with another organization in about $1.8 billion merger. And he purposefully negotiated it so that he was not the CFO of the new company because he didn't want to be. And he came in, he says, okay, I've got this nest egg, but I'm still too young. I'm only about 58. And uh, I'd still like to do something. I said, well, tell me what you'd like to do. He says, I don't know. And I said, okay, let's deal with what are some of the greatest accomplishments you've done in your life? And it was interesting. The merger wasn't high on the list. Uh the company he had worked with and helped them develop an additional 
five million dollars in revenues um, wasn't uh, high on his list. It was when he was a young man for a Boy Scout requirement, he had to make a, a map of two and a half blocks of his neighborhood. And he made a bas-relief map out of plaster of Paris that was like a one-foot-to-one-inch scale or one-foot-to-a-quarter-inch. I can't remember exactly. But he said, I built it, and it had every home on it, and I designed the homes that were there, and I put the fences in. He says, I put so much time into that. I loved it. It, it, it made me feel more successful than anything I've ever done since. And as we explored that, we discovered that as a young man, he wanted to be an engineer. But his father was an accountant. His mother had got an accounting degree. His two older brothers were accountants. And whenever he said he wanted to be an engineer, his parents said, oh, no, we're not engineers. We're accountants. And so he went into accounting. And now, 30 years after going into accounting, he had some freedom and he said, I'd really love to go back to my dream of being an engineer. And in this case, it was the, the windmill was, we don't do that, we're accountants. It was that approval, that sense of, of who he was. And so what we had to do is we created a different imaginary family. And in this imaginary family, his father was Frank Lloyd Wright. His mother was an engineer. His brothers were Philo Farnsworth. And uh, we had done a civil engineer, and I can't remember all of them. But he created a new family that were all engineers. And then when he said to that family, I'm going to be an engineer, what did they say? They said, sure, go for it. Now, it's totally irrational. It's totally illogical. But having this new family who supported his idea helped overcome the windmill. Now, with that, he ran into a real limitation. His real limitation was, how do you at 58 years old become an engineer? Do you go back to school or what? And in this one, he came up with a plan. It was an ingenious plan. He found an engineering company, it was a civil engineering company, where the owner was in his late 60s and had no one to leave the company to. And he approached them and found a company that had that situation that needed a chief financial officer. And so he went into the company as a chief financial officer with the prearranged agreement that when the man who owned the company was ready to retire, he would sell the company to his chief financial officer, who had the money from the merger and the severance package to be able to buy the firm. And so at age 59 or 60, this man bought an engineering firm. And when you own an engineering firm, 
you can do the engineering work you want because you have licensed engineers to do all the things that you can't do. So that's an example of using um, a, how to deal with a windmill to overcome the irrational part and then putting a plan in place to deal with the real limitation and having the scope because he knew he wanted to have it uh, within a certain amount of time. So he found a company that was going to transition. So he tied all of them together. He did the scope on how long he wanted to wait for the man to retire. He did a plan for the real limitation of I'm not an engineer. How can I do engineering? And he came up with this family who encouraged him to be an engineer because they were all engineers. Totally irrational on that one. But that's how you deal with windmills. These are limitations that you will encounter in any dream that you do. There will be limitations you desire, you want to impose on the dream, the scope. You want to limit your dream to a certain scope. There will be limitations that are real that just seems to make most people turn off. But you can put plans together to solve them, find ways to decrease the costs or to find ways to deal with the costs in other ways. And almost all of us will encounter windmills, something from our past or something in our psyche that just says, you can't do this, or this is silly, or there's too many options. And there, there are about 25 windmills we've identified. We'll go over them later. But you can limit your limitations. You can deal with them and overcome them once you can label them. It's labeling them that allows you to know what to do next. If you have any questions, let's take some questions from listeners. Uh, when you hear the computer voice say you're unmuted, you're on. No one needs to ask. If you are, just start talking. Um, we don't have any pre-prepared questions coming in, but uh, I'll just sit and wait and see if any come in from the audience. We don't have a lot of you on today, so there may not be any. If you listen to this podcast and you do come up with questions, feel free to send them to our contact information that you'll find in the podcast um, information. So once again, your assignment for this week is to go through and choose the dream you're going to work on and write down the limitations that you want to impose and the limitations you're encountering that are preventing you or making you think you can't do this. And then as you look at them, label them either real limitations that I can come up with a plan with. And by the way, We've talked about this before. Who helps you identify the plan? Who helps you? You're not doing this alone. It's step two in our process. You have connections who can help you put together the plans on how to move forward. You have the connections who can help you act and learn how to act. So remember, it's 
you generate your possibilities, but then you optimize your connections and let them help you develop these plans, identify what you can do, and identify the windmills. So discuss this with your mastermind group. Discuss what you found, but this week, make a list of the limitations you desire and the limitations that appear that you don't want, and then start talking to your connections about how to solve them. Hope that helps. I'm Larry Stevenson. What are you going to do this week to let your dreams work?